Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Leadership. It's the secret sauce to all effective organizations, nonprofit or otherwise. How to consistently grow as a leader is one of the most important goals for all nonprofit leaders. But growth in leadership takes time. Well, my guest today is the co-author of a new book entitled The Harvard Business Review Leader's Handbook. This book serves as an excellent guide for all leaders who want to excel in leadership through providing step-by-step instruction, curated best practices, and real-life stories of people and organizations that have made a significant impact through their leadership, collected from Harvard Business Review, among other sources. Enjoy today's show. Well, my guest today is Ron Oshkanas. He is partner emeritus of Schaefer Consulting. Ron is a trusted advisor and coach to senior leaders across industries, including the nonprofit sector. He has helped leading organizations achieve dramatic performance improvements while also helping CEOs and senior executives to strengthen their leadership capacity. Ron, it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for calling in from Connecticut today. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, I'm excited to introduce my listener to this great new book that you and Brooke Manville have co-authored. The book's entitled, of course, The Harvard Business Review Leader's Handbook. What first prompted you and Brooke to write this book, and what do you hope to inspire in those who read it? Oh, thank you, Rob. This is, uh, it might sound a little odd in answering this question, but we were actually prompted to write this book about leadership because there are too many books being written about leadership. Um, I don't know if you've ever checked, but Amazon lists over 60,000 titles on leadership. If you change the search criteria, you'll get even more. And if, if you go to Google, you'll get millions of articles about leadership. But because there are so many books and even more articles, aspiring leaders and even experienced leaders who are with a, the target audience of this book, if they want to get better, they don't know where to start. So, of course, you might ask, why would we write another book about leadership? Well, the answer is because with this explosion of new ideas and theories and frameworks and behaviors about leadership, we think the core fundamentals, the tried and true basics of leadership have been getting lost. So the, the noise has overwhelmed the signal, so to speak. So what we tried to do in the HBR Leaders Handbook is not to provide new perspectives about leadership, but rather to provide leaders and aspiring leaders with what we consider to be some of the longstanding but often forgotten practices. We, we've come up with sort of six core practices that leaders need to master in order to be successful. So that, that was the genesis of the book. It's always fun to find out what prompts people to write books. Now, your subtitle of this book is Make an Impact, Inspire Your Organization, and Get to the Next Level. In the midst of your research, what surprised you the most from your key findings when it came to leaders and organizations who really want to go to the next level? Well, two things, and, and they may not be all that surprising. Uh, 
The first is that leaders have to keep learning in order to be really effective and successful. There's no such thing as the fully formed, perfect leader that rises like Venus out of the sea. You have to work at it, and you have to try things, and you have to fail sometimes, and you have to keep trying to get better. And that's why we call the essential elements of leadership practices, areas that you have to keep practicing. Um, and that's somewhat a surprise because in many organizations, if you look at the leadership development budget, it sort of stops once leaders get to a certain level. There's an assumption that, you know, you're a senior enough person, you don't need to develop anymore. We found that that's not true. The second surprise, which again might sound obvious, is that leadership really matters. Uh, organizations don't change or improve or get to the next level or transform without leadership. That's true in the corporate world and in the public sector world and the non-profit world. So the leaders need to see around the corners and think boldly and have the courage to move people in new directions. And if leaders don't do that, they become basically caretakers. Or even if the organization goes downhill, they become undertakers. So what, one of the leaders we talked to, Dom Barton, who was the head of McKinsey for many years, said that managers keep the tracks, the trains running on the tracks, but leaders move the tracks and determine where the train is going. And we often forget that. We sort of think of leaders and managers as the same thing. But that, that sort of surprised us. It's really quite different. All right. Now, very helpful. Uh, talk a little bit about the process. What was the process you used to gather your research and report on all this data? Well, we, we actually used three sources of data. Uh, first was our own experience as consultants and leadership coaches with probably hundreds of leaders over the past 30 years for each of us. You have, I, I had the opportunity to work with Jack Welch at GE, Jim Wolfenson, who was the president of the World Bank, and many others, and both of us have also worked in the nonprofit world extensively as well. Brooke was the uh, executive vice president of United Way International. Um, so the first source of data for this book was that Brooke and I took a, a first crack at the essential practices, looking at it from reflecting on our own experience. But second, we obviously we didn't want to just trust our own experience. We also interviewed about 40 prominent successful leaders across sectors, including nonprofits, across geographies, different size organizations, Fortune 500 organizations, startup leaders, and we asked them for their views about what were the key leadership practices, the most essential things that leaders needed to master. And third, we called through the archives of the Harvard Business Review from several decades of articles to identify the sort of enduring themes that kept recurring across the years in the pages of the Harvard Business Review. And then we tried to identify the seminal articles that shaped or influenced those themes or trends. We also got input from the editors at the Harvard Business Review. They weighed in with their perspectives, and we looked at the most requested and reprinted articles over the years. So we then sort of put all this together to shape the book around the six core leadership practices, which we can talk about in a minute. And we, we tested this structure with some of the leaders we had interviewed and with readers of early drafts of the book. And then we refined it some more and we kept refining it. And we kept refining it until our editor told us it was time to finish. So that's, uh, that, that's how we put the book together. Now, 
I'm encouraging my listeners to really read this book because I'm reading it right now and it's, it's really is very good and there's a lot to it. Um, now, I wanted to uh, give my listeners kind of a, a little bit of a taste of what's in the book and you distill great content that centers around effective leadership. In fact, you focus on six essential practices that will help leaders develop and grow no matter where they are in their careers. So here are those six essentials. First is this, building a unifying vision. Number two, developing a strategy. Number three, getting great people on board. Number four, focusing on results. Number five, innovating for the future. And number six, leading oneself well. Now, I know this may be a little bit of a forced and difficult question, but which of these is the most important if you could only choose one of them? Well, you're right. That's a, that's a tough question to answer, particularly because all six of the leadership practices are essential. Leaders have to do all six. Um, they're like the threads that have to be woven together into the fabric of leadership. In reality, however, some will be more important than others at a particular time based on what the organization needs, its evolution, and also based on what the leader needs to learn and their development over time. But if you still keep pressing me on having to select one, it would be the sixth one that you mentioned, which is leading oneself. Because what, what we mean by this is Knowing yourself, growing yourself, sharing yourself, and taking care of yourself. I know those all sort of rhyme, which makes them easier to remember. But all, all of those we consider to be the foundation stones for all the other practices. Uh, in other words, leaders, uh, they have to be really self-aware of what they do well and what they don't do well, where they're comfortable, where they're not. And then they have to intentionally Think about how do they develop themselves and get to the next level? How do they stretch themselves? How do they put themselves into new challenges that, that might stretch their comfort zone a little bit? How do they get feedback? How do they work with coaches and others in their own team to get better? And while they're doing all that, they also have to figure out how do they mentor others, which is part of sharing themselves, and finding the best ways to stay renewed and energized, which is the taking care of yourself. So. Uh, we, we found leaders are no good when they're burnt out or exhausted or feeling like they have no time for their family or personal pursuits. So I, we, we think that's – if we had to pick one, that's sort of the foundation on which all the others rest. And I, I give you an example. Uh, we, we talked, for example, with, with one leader who every year – he's a, a, a very senior leader. He's been CEO of some companies and now now running another – and every year he creates a scorecard for himself on how well he does at work, with his family, with friends, with the community, and in regard to his own health. And although it's not perfect, he, he uses it to sort of make sure that he doesn't get too out of balance or lose focus on priorities. So that it's, it's sort of a really important example of what, what leaders need to do in order to keep themselves developed and manage themselves and take care of themselves in order to be able to do the other activities well. We, we also cite a seminal article by Harvard professor Clay Christensen. It was titled, How to Measure Your Life, in which he talks about how managers and leaders you know, are really good at setting goals. They set goals for their business, but they often don't set goals for their own life. So, he says it's important to set goals for your own life and then calibrate your time and priorities to make sure you're moving towards those goals. So that, that whole area of leading yourself well is probably 
what we would consider to be the foundation for all the other practices. I believe that many have the sentiment today that we're facing a crisis in leadership, whether that be in politics and business and the nonprofit sector. Do you agree, first of all? And if so, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, leading is really hard. It's a, in many ways a lonely job. Um, everybody is looking to you for confidence and results and you know, where are we going, what are we doing? And oftentimes it's you know, the leaders looking internally and saying, well, I'm, quite, I'm not quite sure what to do. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough job. And it's easy to, particularly people who rise to the leadership roles in organizations, tend to be pretty driven and want to, want to do well and want to get results and want to you know, do what, what their people are expecting them to do. So it's easy to get burned out and to not step back and find the right balance. Because as I, I said earlier, you're, you're doing no good to anybody if you get burnt out. Um, it, it's very hard to do. I mean, this is an intense world. And as, as you know, what's happened over the last few years is the pace of everything has, ex, has, has accelerated. And everybody expects everything almost instantaneously. And that just creates additional pressure on, on leaders. So it's, it's, it's very tough. And I think leaders need to step back and say, what do I have to do to recharge, take care of myself, take care of my health, take care of my family, find the right balance? And also, how do I keep learning and learning from inevitable failures and, and challenges? Because we're not going to be successful at everything. Um, and it takes the, you know, the right kind of a, a leader to play that. Hey everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Show. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you are aware of a whole group of other interviews with fascinating guests that I've previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, and there you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I think you'll really enjoy those interviews. Now, I also want to make sure you knew about a new feature. Um, we want to give you more content, and we'd like to get that information to you. And all you have to do is give us your email. When you go to that website, you can put your email address in that first box you'll see on the front page, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. In addition to some great content, you'll see the latest uh, podcast shows. It'll be actually sent right to your inbox, and that way you'll never miss any of the great content on this show. The other thing I'll mention to you is if you have questions or comments or you'd like to be on the show, do not hesitate to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Just do that through our website, my email, rob at ccofpc.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Okay, now let's talk about the essential practice of focusing on results. What you say in kind of the subtitle of this chapter is the experience of achieving short-term results motivates teams to strive for even more. Setting high expectations and sharpening accountability is necessary, in your opinion, for high performance. And then you further talk about how developing solid metrics and reviews can really help this process become an organized one. So walk us through this a little bit more. I mean, how does a leader develop solid metrics and a review process to help leaders really grow their organizations? Let me step back a moment before answering that. One of the myths of leadership is that if you have a compelling vision and there's a solid strategy and a good team, results will just sort of naturally follow. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. Leaders have to make sure that results are achieved, that people understand the goals, that they have the right capabilities, that they're encouraged to find creative ways of accomplishing those goals, and that they're held accountable and then either rewarded or, if they don't hit the goals, that, that there's consequences for it. It's not a 
you know, it's not uh, being rewarded for a good effort. You have to actually get something done. And doing all this is really hard work, and it's not mechanical. It's also emotional. Um, Jack Welch used to say that that uh, getting results is a matter of being hard-headed but soft-hearted. Because you have to kind of really focus on what's necessary for the organization and really drive for that. But you also have to be soft-hearted and empathetic about what what is it that people are putting in to make that happen. And what, one of the keys to doing this that we write about in the Leader's Handbook is to focus on results through a series of 100-day challenges. And that, that's an approach that my firm, Schaefer Consulting, pioneered over the years, and many others have written about it as well. The idea is to, rather than just give people big goals and say, go get it, and then, you know, try to push them and push them, is to uh, carve out a series of these stretch goals and think about results as a series of 100-day challenges. Uh, and then let teams and individuals figure out how do they meet this challenge in 30 or 60 or 90 days or 100 days in a way that they can be creative and get some excitement and feel some success. And let me give you a couple of examples. Um, worked uh, last year with a foster care agency, and what they were trying to do was to place more children into foster homes, sustainable, good foster homes. And they had more children, and they, they, they sort of had a backlog of, of people that they needed, of kids that they needed to place. So to do that, they needed a larger pool of pre-qualified foster parents. So that the head of the agency challenged a team to get a certain number of foster parents approved and ready to take kids in half the time that it usually takes. And he gave them 100 days to figure this out. So the team had to then look at what could they do differently in terms of interviews and screening and background checks and sourcing and reimbursement and all of the different things that go into qualifying and getting a foster parent and foster home already. And with a lot of hard work and energy and excitement, the team was really challenged to do this. They felt really excited about it. Once they'd achieved the goal, then the next challenge for the next 100 days was how do they sustain that and expand the new process? So that, that's sort of what we mean by focusing on results. And putting in the metrics is figuring out the right metrics that are appropriate for that challenge and then putting in the review processes. So in this case, the, the leader of this agency met with that team once a week in you know just to see what they were doing, and then every 30 days – with a real in-depth review of what was working, what wasn't working, what were they learning, what help did they need, so that they really created an orchestrated process by which they could be successful at the end of that 100 days. Um, and it was, it was really quite remarkable to see both the energy and the results that they were able to achieve. Now, from your research, have you found any national or even global trends in terms of leadership that you discovered? And if so, how can effective nonprofit leaders incorporate those into their organizations? Well, again, our, our research was about enduring fundamentals that, uh, that continue over time, despite whatever trends or new developments occur. But that being said, there, there are two that come, that come to mind in answer to this question. Uh, the first is digitization and the use of technology. And this impacts all organizations, but, but nonprofits particularly in a couple of ways. One is that the mission of nonprofits, we think, might have to be extended into the digital world. 
For example, one of the leaders that we talked to in the research for this book was Darren Walker, who's the head of the Ford Foundation. The Ford Foundation, their focus and their mission is social justice. And what he realized was that the focus on social justice is now as much a digital issue as anything else. Manifests itself through cyberbullying, unequal access to the Internet, email scams, disinformation through social media, et cetera. And we're, we hear all of these things, but for the Ford Foundation, this is now, you know, a real area of focus. But to focus on this, he had to retrain and retool the foundation to focus on the digital world. Most of his people were not digital natives, weren't, weren't familiar with the digital world. I'm guessing that that's true for many nonprofits. So that's that's one area of focus or, or a shift, I think, that's that's going to affect nonprofits. The, the, the second part of that is that the technology, as I said earlier, has made everything faster. It's created a lot of new technologies and new capabilities that nonprofits can take advantage of, like back office support can be done more efficiently. Fundraising can be done through crowdsourcing. Meetings can be conducted virtually. You don't need physical locations for everything. Networks can be created with many new partners. So you can create ecosystems that work together on social issues. Data analytics can be utilized to improve services. So I think a second challenge for nonprofits is that they can take advantage of all that to increase their their impact. Um, and then there's a, a, a third thing is that We've seen in, in a lot of organizations, there's much greater experimentation and innovation and learning. You know, it used to be that companies would develop a three to five year strategic plan and budgets, et cetera, but the world's changing so rapidly they can't do this anymore. So there's almost no such thing as a long-term strategic plan. Now there's 100-day challenges that I mentioned, there's innovation teams, there's after-action reviews, all sorts of ways of accelerating change. And I think this is a key for nonprofits that they have to keep experimenting and learning and almost think of themselves as startups. And how do they figure out new and better ways to have an impact in the in the areas that they, they uh, really want to serve? Well, this has been fascinating. And let me ask you one more question. When you think about this book, what do you hope to inspire in these people that read it? And what are the long-term impacts for nonprofit leaders if they're able to follow the principles outlined in your book? Well, I, I guess I, I don't need to say this to you, but the nonprofit sector is really critical for our economy, but also for our values as a country to be able to, to serve people who otherwise wouldn't get service. Um, and I've always been incredibly impressed with the passion and commitment that nonprofit leaders exhibit. However, at the same time, unfortunately, nonprofit leaders generally don't have access to the resources that are available in the for-profit world. So many nonprofit leaders are not trained as much in leadership as they are in their own disciplines, and they often aren't as aware of the fundamentals of what it takes to bring people together to achieve incredible results. So I think this is a kind of a way to wrap this up. My, my hope is that the HBR Leaders Handbook gives nonprofit leaders, as well as leaders of other organizations, a really solid grounding in how do they inspire people to make greater impact. Uh, I, I've been working with uh, with probably a couple of dozen nonprofit leaders over the past couple of years, and I've tested many of these ideas with them, and they resonate very much. So I'm hoping that over time, these leadership fundamentals, these core practices of leadership, 
can make a huge difference with the next generation of nonprofit leaders. Well, once again, for my listeners, my guest today has been Ron Ashkenaz. He's partner emeritus of Schaefer Consulting. Ron is a trusted advisor and coach to senior leaders across industries, including the nonprofit sector. Now, I'm encouraging my listeners to go get this book. It really is fantastic. So, Ron, where can people find out more about you and more about the book? Where would you send them? Well, the book is available on Amazon, or for bulk orders, you can contact Harvard Business Review Press. But to get in touch with me, you can contact uh, my firm, Schaefer Consulting. The website is uh, SchaeferResults.com. That's S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R Results, all one word, dot com. Or email info at SchaeferResults.com. And I'm happy to uh, be in touch with anyone who wants to talk more. Thank you again, Ron, for being on the show. It's so fun hearing more about this book. I encourage my listeners to go get it. Thanks again. Thanks, Rob. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.